Greetings and salutations and welcome to another episode of The Funky Self with me, Lindsay Garvey-Jones. How are you all? Well, what a super week it's been. We've done our first giveaway on Instagram for our themed week. Everything to do with sleep, why we sleep, top tips on getting the best night's sleep. And gosh, it was it was so much fun. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved. And there'll be more of that over the next coming weeks and months now. I have such a super special treat of a guest for you today. She is a visibility expert helping others to raise their professional profile in their industries with her trademarked visibility activator system. More about that later. She is the queen of being seen. She is a keen ambassador and amplifier for the BAME community, including all of the spectrum of diversity and inclusivity. So important. She runs a highly successful clubhouse chat each week called Visibility Confident Club and supports others looking to show or grow confidence. And she's a motivational speaker. All of that. I've had the pleasure of being in one of her sessions and unbeknownst to her, she had such a huge impact on me and has inspired me enormously. And she had no idea of this until we chatted last week, which absolutely proves what I always say, which is never underestimate the impact that you have on others because you don't know who's watching and who's listening. Please, listeners, let me introduce you to the wonderful Jenny Kovacs. Jenny, how are you? I'm really good and I'm blown away. Thank you so much for that introduction. Just (laughs) my breath away. (laughs) But that's you. That's everything that I that I see and feel that you are you're such a a magnificent person and you know you're very humble with all of that and it's it's just wonderful what you manage to do for others but can you describe to our listeners what it is that you do what's the visibility activator system as well okay so first thing is I'm a visibility specialist and I'm self-titled visibility specialist um, because really I help people to stand out to raise their professional profile um, so that they're seen and heard what does that mean Mm -hmm. Uh, many of us whether we run our own businesses or whether we're employed um, whether we're senior or junior we need to be taken seriously in what we say and we want to do that as ourselves you know we don't want to have to kind of fake it till we make it or anything else like that so essentially I help people to have like the inner confidence to be Mm -hmm. outwardly visible Um, so how this came about was quite by accident and um, it actually started before I started this business in 2010 so it started when I was working in financial services Uh and um, what happened was I did what I think a lot of people do you think to yourself right I want career progression I want to climb the ladder or some version of that yeah But what I did after that, I didn't realise that other people necessarily didn't do. So I remember, I remember the, the, like, literally to the day, I was actually living in Brighton at the time. So many kind of decades ago now, it feels. Um, And I remember I had this little notebook and almost because I wanted to keep my promise to myself of, of wanting this career progression. I remember writing it down in the book half to keep my promise to myself and I think half to remind myself of what I'd said Mm. and I kept looking at it and it was basically I wanted to be promoted there was a certain job title I wanted to go for 
And I realized I wanted to earn a bit more money. Mm. So, so that's what I wrote in the book. And then I started to do whatever it took to try to get there. Um, and along the way, I went for um, a promotion and I was given some really great, but kind of frustrating feedback. I was given the feedback that there was absolutely no reason for me not to have got this role. Um, but the other person that went for it not only lived closer in the area, but they threatened to leave if they didn't get the job. Right. So they kind of got it by default. Wow. And I didn't. <laughs> so I remember thinking, no, I'm on a mission to do this. So I actually left the company I was with. Now, just to give sort of timelines on this, this was now 2006. So in 2006, I um, accepted a new job with a new company and I went through the motions, you know, told them what I could do. I never believe in lying about anything. Um, so I told them what I could do. And I literally, in the interview, in a quite polite way, said, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I know that there's a three-month probationary period, but if I don't do what I said in the three months, then fair enough. Um, but if I do, this is the salary that I want. Um, and three months later, I remember one of the directors literally walking towards me with the, you've got the pay rise already. Wow. So between 2006 and 2008, I was at this company and I went through this career progression. I was getting um, taken seriously. I was getting the recognition for what I did um, and I was getting promoted and I got promoted um, three times and my salary quadrupled. Wow. Now, this visibility activator system came after this because I just thought I was determined, maybe ambitious, you know, put my nose to the kind of the ground. But there's things to understand. You know, I was working in a financial services environment. There weren't other black women, um, like literally in the company until no. I think a year in. Um, there weren't other kind of senior um, people of colour there at all. Wow. Um, so what I found interesting was, although it was a male-dominated environment, there was something about something I was doing. I was being taken seriously. Um, and of course, then 2008 happened, the financial crash happened. I was unfortunately made redundant and I went on to another job. But what I realised um, in around 2010 um, what I realized was that I wanted people to be able to speak up and speak out. So I thought I was a speaker coach. Mm. And then when I worked with a coach, um, we realized that there was something pivotal I was doing with my um, nervous speakers that were having them go out and do the most like jaw dropping stuff that <laughs> one of them had, had gone to the House of Commons and and been um, a part of that. One of them had ended up on Channel 4 News. Um, wow. You know, they were doing all of this stuff. One of them had sold this like really great package to somebody as a personal trainer. And it, I couldn't understand it. When they came back to me and, and said like they'd done all these things, I just, I, I felt like I hadn't taught them that. Yeah. So my job then with my coach was to work out what was it that I was doing. And I remember she asked me a question which got me really thinking. She said, where in your life have you done something extraordinary and really put yourself out there and had amazing results? I said, well, it kind of doesn't count, but I was employed and, you know, I quadrupled my salary and all of that kind of stuff. And she was like, that's it. Whatever you did then was what got it. Uh, and I, I, like anyone who's 
who's done something or is good at doing something if you ask them well how did you do it they say I don't know it just happened so for me I then worked with another mentor and went through the steps like kind of literally I think Steve Jobs talks about connecting the dots but had to look back and join the dots to realize that actually what I did was actually repeatable um, and it could be done in a way that you didn't lose who you are or yourself And that's when um, the Visibility Activator system was born. And in fact, it was originally known as the Vibe system because that was the easy way to remember the five key pillars. So I know that's a really long story, but that's actually how I got to that. So to me, it feels like a, a happy accident that it happened. But then when I looked back at the five key pillars of what made that happen, I realized not only is it repeatable, but I'm able to coach, mentor or train people through it so that they can go off and, do, and have the results that they need in their life without being me while being themselves. If that makes sense. Makes complete sense because you're giving people um, the ability to kind of kit themselves up for confidence. You're giving them the tools to do that. And the and the courage to go forward. Sometimes people need permission, don't they? They need somebody to say, yes, you can do that. Yes, you can ask for that salary. You know, it took me so long, Jenny, to realise that I could do exactly that. I could go in and ask for what I felt I was worth, you know, for what I was bringing in. And it took me nearly 35 years to do that. And there's something in the brain that stops us from doing it. Do you think then perhaps that it's more of a female problem than a male problem? Do you think women have a a disadvantage? I don't want to put women down because we're here to champion women, absolutely. But there there does seem to be somewhat of an imposter syndrome or something that holds them back from going forward and getting it. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, and I never like saying this, but I believe in kind of being truthful um, with what I've discovered and what I've seen and um, and what others have experienced. Um, There is definitely a gender thing that happens. Mm -hmm. Now, considering, yes, you've got the the male gender, the female gender, and you've got non-binary and everything in between. There's different challenges, depending on how you identify gender wise, there's different challenges for all of those. So for example, the men that I deal with, a lot of the time will go for it anyway. There is a statistic out there that says even if they only know how to do 60% of a role, they'll still apply for it. Whereas with women, they feel like they need 80% of a, of a role to apply for it. But then there's other things that come into play. So I know sort of with non-binary, there's usually... Um, something that is like a challenger has gone on for them so before they can kind of put themselves out there they're going through everybody else's head trash on how they feel accepted and so what I see is um, in women specifically women tend to um, outwardly struggle with this more and it has the ability in more of the women that I coach to stop them Whereas men, it will shape them and they'll continue. And, you know, if if someone's identifying as kind of non-binary, then there's other other kind of outside forces at play. It's almost like when I I learned to ride a motorbike and one of the things that 
and um, people used to talk about and my instructor used to talk about was when you're riding a motorbike you're riding and being safe for yourself but you're having to account for everybody else around you so I just think depending on whichever gender you identify with there's there's different layers and it can feel harder um, and then there are you know there are industries which are male dominated so as a woman you have to try and break through if you're non-binary you might have to break through um, and then if you're a person of color you might have to break through in a different way sure. so there's usually challenges kind of coming from like 360 degrees does that make sense <laughs> it makes perfect sense and I guess um looking for advice for anybody that's wanting to start to get confidence of course they can get in touch with you they can have one of your one-to-one coaching sessions which will help them enormously but is there anything that we can do as humans no matter your your gender or how you identify what can we do with ourselves to start to build on that courage to go for that job to ask for that rise to 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 just go for it So in virtually everybody that I've ever worked with, whether it's been a team, a company or an individual, it's always starts with our mindset, which is why I love this podcast. (laughs) Um, It starts with our mindset. And I'm going to define mindset as the way we think about things. Mm -hmm. If you think about this, when we feel that we need the courage to do something or the confidence to do something, we will have already spent a long time telling ourselves that we can't do it. Mm. like an affirmation and I come across people that say oh I don't believe in affirmations and I just think well you've been affirming you've been using them you know um public speaking oh I can't public speak because I always go red or I always forget my words keep saying that every day to yourself and guess what you always forget your words so I realized that there was a way to think about things that were different even though our environment, society, our belief system might have taught us otherwise. So the thing that I would say for a lot of people is really um, listen to whatever internal kind of dialogue, um, you know, the voices inside your head, which we all have, listen to what's being said. Um, And just as a kind of a thing, don't take my word for it. If you're sitting there and you're listening to this and saying, but I don't have voices inside my head, imagine that you're um, out for the evening and you have if somebody says to you, are you ready? You know, should we have one more drink? There's a voice that normally says to you, oh, I better not. I better go home or maybe just one more. That's your internal dialogue. It's as simple as that. So I think getting used to be able to hear our own inter- internal dialogue, which we don't because we're so used to it going on automatic pilot yeah. and then um, doing some sort of work to think about our mindset and our thoughts. And the biggest um, tip that I would give around that is many people will start on a journey of trying to do something, anything without having checked in with that internal dialogue or that mindset. And therefore, they're not clear on what they want. It's like me getting in a car and saying, I'm going to go somewhere up north. Well, where? You know, I'm currently in London. So where up north? Scotland, Newcastle, Manchester, where? And when we kind of get in that car and say, I'm going to go somewhere, it's not a real clear instruction for ourselves. So that's the biggest thing that I would say to anyone that's listening to this. Perfect advice. Thank you. Um, So you've told me about an influence from Carl Jung Mm -hmm. and imaginative writing. Mm. What does that mean? 
So I was introduced to this concept actually through a mentor of mine um, who names it slightly differently, but um, depending on kind of what kind of things that you're into, um, Carl Jung apparently has got some, um, some books that were found after he passed that were called the Red Books. Mm-hmm. And in these books, when they first discovered them and read them, they actually thought they were kind of like writings of a madman, you know? Yeah. And, and actually, um, what it was, was him having these conversations literally from his subconscious mind. Now, we, we do a lot of things, um, you know, as humans, we operate in a conscious level, but subconsciously, if we harbour a belief or a thought that we can or can't do something, regardless of what we do, it will kind of run the show. So this, um, these books that they found were him having these um, conversations. My mentor calls it active imagination journaling. And it's where you literally, um, you have a conversation almost with yourself. And for some people, it's like their subconscious mind. For others, it will be source. Others, it's higher purpose. You know, um, yeah. if you're religious, it might be God or Allah or somebody like that. So you basically will ask them a question and write down the answer. Um, I I would advise you to try it. It's a really unusual and quite enlightening experience. Um, so, so you can just write anything down like what do I want in the next five years or how how will I get that rise at work you know exactly you can literally like or you could even start off with I think I want a promotion at work um is this a good idea oh you know you can you like people will tend to start kind of bigger um, and that's okay but you can even you can even go for you know, I'm not sure what to have for dinner, you know, what will serve my body best, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All sorts of things. So you can literally ask any question. And then you, um, so you imagine as you're um, asking the question, you write your question down and then you just listen to the answer and write whatever comes through. I'm going to try a bit of that. I've got a whole load of questions that I'm going to ask. I think for me, it's like asking the universe, isn't it? It's like, okay, universe, let's do this. What are we going to do about ABC? Oh, exactly. It's a really magical experience. Really magical. Yes. Lovely listeners, have a go. Uh, Do some imaginative writing and write down your questions and see what comes out of your unconscious mind. See what's there. Ooh, Mm. I can see all kinds of things happening. You also told me about you have an orchestra that Mm -hmm. kind of um, conducts your brain and your body. Can you tell us more about that as well? Because I found this really interesting. It's quite funny because by now your listeners are probably thinking, who is writing to all sorts of things and this, you know, all of these. But, you know, my methods are are pretty unconventional, um, unconventional, but they work, you know. So, um, this comes from a story, and I'll probably backtrack into the story a bit later on if we have time. Um, but this comes from a story of um, I was um, speaking to um, a very senior medical professional. And at the time, I was actually going through an IVF journey. Mm-hmm. And I remember having these conversations um, and saying, like, I know this is going to work because they have to give you all the kind of, you know, the doom, the gloom, the good, the highs, the lows and everything. And I remember saying to him, no, this is going to work. I kept saying positive mental attitude, it's going to work. And I remember he leant forward and said to me, I wouldn't normally share this with many of my patients, but here's what I'm going to say to you because I think you'll get it. 
He said, the way to think about anything is thinking of your body, your brain is like the conductor and your body is like the orchestra. He said, so in order to get the music to play and everybody to fall in line and do what they need to do, you need to pay attention to the conductor, get your conductor in order and everything else will follow. And I thought that was such a beautiful metaphor. And honestly, because of the kind of person I am, really quite pleased to know that, you know, that was being kind of spoken about in the medical profession as well, because I really believe, as I say, it all starts with our mindset. So um, when he shared that, I was just like, yeah, I really love that. And I can see how that applies to so many other things. I love it too. It reminds me of something that, I learned from Tony Robbins, which was Mm. having a board of directors in your mind who help you to make decisions and help you to become greater and have a better mindset. There was always this board of directors, you know, what would uh, this person do and what would this person say? So you're using your own mind as a bit of a soundboard. I guess it goes back to the imaginative writing theory with Carl Jung, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, you're giving your brain something to think about and the unconscious will come forward and help you and support you in answering that question. So Mm -hmm. good. Excellent. I love that. I was going to say, actually, I just made a note of it, but I'll say it now. Um, There's a book called Think and Grow Rich. And it's, um, I think it was written in the 19, either 1920s or 1940s. I can't remember Uh one. Um, by a guy called Napoleon Hill Um, and a lot of people that have either done the Tony Robbins stuff um, or have gone very deeply into self personal development or business will read this book and there's a a chapter where they talk about um, getting the the board of directors and it's like anybody alive dead if you think about it if you could sit in front of your like an invisible board of directors who would they be? You can have anyone in the world. So you can have Oprah, you know, you could have Richard Branson if that's <laughs> the way that you thought, you know, if your grannies are really great with them, um, good, solid, you know. Um, Advice, yeah, they're really good, aren't they? <laughs> you know, you could have anyone. So um, they talk about that in the book and how to use it. Um, again, a nice little experiment for anyone who's up for these sorts of things. Um, like thinking of anything you do, like from where you want to live, um, where you want to go out, you know, what you want to do in your career. Again, that's a really great thing to, to practice as well. Who would be in your board of directors? So many. So <laughs> I've done this before. Um, so a guy called Wayne Dyer. I really, really love the work of Wayne Dyer, who's since passed, but has got such a... Um, like came from quite humble beginnings and quite a challenging background, but he didn't make that challenging. Um, he's written over 40 books, quite high into spirituality, if that's your thing. Um, and so he would definitely be there. Oprah, I would definitely have there for, you know, creative direction and all of that. <laughs> um, I have a mentor who I still work with to this day. Um, so she would definitely be in there. Um, there's a few people that I've met I've done a lot of group coaching programs and masterminds and things like that. Um, So there are a few people that I found really like inspirational that I would have um, around that table as well. Um, And I always say I would have the five-year-old version of my nephew in there. 
when he was five, he was brilliant. I would just ask him these random questions. And <laughs> you know like how a five-year-old can answer a question in a, in a very specific way? Like I'd say to him, oh. you know, what do you think the prime minister should do about so-and-so? And it was hilarious, but actually quite insightful. Yeah. So I definitely have him there as well. <laughs> I think it's really insightful, like you said, when you ask children questions, because they're very truthful. They don't sit and think about the if, but, why not, and what ifs. They tell you straight. And one of the board of directors that we're all encouraged to have is the magician, which is a playful self, which is somebody who will have fun with you and, and tell you, you know, the possibility of what it could look like and feel like. And I think having somebody like the five-year-old version of your nephew is perfect for that kind of thing. Oh, this is good. I'm loving this pod today. It's amazing. It's right. Like Wayne Dyer as well, because he's the older version of making your life magical as well. Oh, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to I'm going to get that. That sounds awesome. And Jenny, what do you think could be one of the smallest things that we can do that can have possibly the biggest impact on our lives? Yeah, so I think um, it's interesting, that question, because I think that sometimes as humans, as individuals, we can make something seem really big. So I work um, with a lot of business owners who Um, you know they're service-based businesses so it's not like they've got widgets to sell they need to be able to or they think they have to persuade people into buying their services and one of the things that I see a lot is they'll say oh well I'd like to have a a business that supports me but I guess I have to do this thing and this thing first so they make something really big and something really small (laughs) when actually it's all possible yeah Again, it's getting our heads straight, you know, the mindset piece and then moving forward. So I invite people um, rather than doing kind of like a list of goals, I invite people to really dream big. Go somewhere that's nice. It might be the park, you know, it might be sitting cozy in bed, um, you know, it could be anywhere. And I have a book solely for the things that I want to achieve and each thing goes on a separate page. So it's a small book. In fact, I, yeah, I wish I'd kind of bought it even just to show you, Lindsay. It's a tiny little book. I guess it would be about an A6 size. So tiny you can put in your bag or your pocket. And on each page, I write um, the thing that I want to achieve, but I write it as if it's already happened, like, I'm so grateful that this thing's happened or I'm so happy serving clients that I absolutely adore, you know, things like that. And as and when they happen, I tick them off and I put a little smiley face on it. I think it's key, isn't it, to live in when you're setting goals, you want to be in the mindset that you're already there. Mm. That is so key. And that's something that I hear time and time and time again Mm -hmm. it's the same with unfunky self you know when I started this business from that very first moment my mindset went to I'm doing it already Mm -hmm. I'm already doing it I'm already this I'm already that you know and it's it wasn't a case of this is what I want to do and I'm going to have to get X, Y. I didn't put hurdles in my way. Mm. I acted as though in my head, in my mindset, that Mm. I was already doing it. And it's just been an absolute pleasure. I think Mm. there's a common theme throughout all of this, Jenny, and it's mindset. 
you know every time we turn a corner on a different question it's always about the mindset I think what's important as well is to have the right people around you because sometimes the goals that we want to achieve the things that we want to do sometimes we get those naysayers whether it's friends work colleagues members of our family who say oh that's not a very good idea how are you going to do that and I think how important is it do you think to have the right network around you and what do you do if you feel that you don't have the right support network what what can we do so number one it is super important super super important to have the right people around you now this isn't about trashing your family or your friends and saying Mm -hmm. they're no good and chucking them out um this is about people who support your vision your dream your goals your objectives whatever you want to call them and if you think about this you know um as an example Lindsay you wanted to um, have this podcast and start getting it out there now that's part of your vision part of your dream it might not be part of mine or it might not be part of like a partner might not be part of your friends or family you know spouses or anything like that so often what I hear people saying or doing is oh well I spoke to my wife husband lover you know family about this and they didn't seem so keen And my response to that is, of course, they're not going to be keen. It's not their dream. Why should they be keen about your dream? But what happens is they'll want to really protect you from, quote unquote, failure or disappointment. Quite often um, I see that at play. So I have done this over the years in various different ways. Um, I have a lot of friends who are in business you know one of my um, one of my business besties as I call them is actually a good friend and runs a business Um, and they're the sort of person that I can say for example I want to launch a new product or new program and I want to try to achieve this kind of you know exposure or financial goal and they'll be like yeah not just yes man or yes you can do it but they'll be like oh my gosh that's so exciting that's brilliant how will you do it? You know, what will you plan? And that kind of thing, as opposed to, are you sure? Well, there's, there's a pandemic on, people don't really have money and all of that kind of stuff. So there's a, that distinct difference. So there's the kind of the friends that we get to choose. But the other thing that I've done a lot of since I started my business, you know, I've joined um, coaching programs. I've done online courses, of course. Um, I've joined masterminds, which um, a few of my clients, when I've spoken to them, especially my more corporate clients, don't necessarily understand what that is. And basically within a mastermind, somebody will be running the mastermind. Um, but the the kind of golden nuggets don't just come from the person who's running it. It's from everybody else within it oh. as well. And these are people that will champion you. If you think about it, if you have a day in business where you um, you know make a lot of money, who do you go and tell? Mm. you could post it on social media but with the wrong filter on somebody could um kind of attack it and then make you feel less than for achieving something that you've wanted to achieve so I really like the power of masterminds um I was in three throughout this pandemic you know um they were paid for masterminds and with every single um time I've like made that investment 
I've always had a really good return on investment, not only financially, but also in contacts, connections, opportunities, and like almost an elevation of being able to do more. So um, a lot of people aren't, may, might not be ready for that. But the thing that they'll do is they'll, um, they'll have a big dream, they'll have a big vision, and they'll spend a lot of time and energy on you know, free kind of free stuff, free webinars, looking on YouTube, which is great for information. But when you actually want to implement and get something done, any person who's ever had any level or form of success has always had coaches and mentors around them that have helped them get there. And I think a lot of people do a disservice by not doing that. And I'm not saying that because I'm a coach, because there's, you know, millions of other coaches out there in the world as well that you can go to. I know, Lindsay, you do um, a fabulous um, line in coaching as well, you know. So you can go and coach with people, but putting that investment in yourself first and foremost, kind of you show yourself I'm taking this seriously. This is how important this is. Um, you know, this is a dream, not a pipe dream, but an actual dream, which I'm turning into a reality. So it's spot on, you know, because the, the, there are so many people who who say you've got to put your own gas, your own mask on first before you go and help others. And that isn't selfish, it's selfless. You have to be able to equip yourself before you go on. And also it's so important for a coach to go there first. You Mm. have to do the learning. You have to go through the experiences. You have to do most things before you can even start to have clients. Do you know, Mm. you've you've taken one of my questions from right underneath me and I'm going to, ask it to you anyway and it's like how do you work on yourself in your business what actions do you set up for yourself you know you invest in your own development that way for your for your clients but how else do you set yourself up do you meditate do you um do you use any apps that help you to relax etc what do you do yeah, there's a few things I do. Um, I do meditate. I would like to say I'm one of those people that meditates every single day. I would say I meditate most days. I did meditate this morning, actually. Um, I, I do that. And here's the thing. What it does is people often go into meditation with a whole, I've got to clear my mind. Well, anyone that knows my mind, it just doesn't shut up. <laughs> you know, it just goes open. <laughs> so, so for me... All I'm looking for at the beginning of my day, before I know what's happened or what's happening, um, I want to get to a place where there's a lady in America called Ilyana Van Sant, um, and she talks about finding your inner altar. And if we at the beginning of the day, like right at the start of the day, can find our kind of our inner safe space, our inner altar, regardless of what gets thrown at you throughout the day, whatever challenges they may be, you can go back to that space, which actually in real terms, like mean that you don't like if you, if somebody attacks you in some way verbally, you actually have a moment to pause rather than going straight into attacking them back and causing, you know, or making something kind of be bigger than it had to be. Um, You know, as a business owner, all sorts of things happen in a day, you know, clients will sometimes not be able to pay, they'll struggle, they'll be upset. It means that you can hold space for those people. Um, so you know, you don't know what's coming at you. So um, 
it's funny that you asked me this question because I'm actually hosting a masterclass this afternoon and I was kind of talking about our energy and our kind of ability to navigate what can yeah. sometimes be turbulent waters. And um, one of the questions that I will be asking people is, how do you start your day? Now, if you're not a meditator, I can't get into it. Um, you might be a runner. You might go for long walks. You might even go for a long drive. You know, when you're driving and you kind of think, oh, I've done three miles and I can't remember like looking around, but you know, you have been. All of that is a meditative state. So um, as well as the kind of investment in, you know, those sorts of things, um, there's the investment in myself in terms of time. I'm, you know, I, I take care on how I spend my time and where I spend my time. Um, because, for example, if I were, and I know a lot of people this affects in the same way, if I was to sit and watch the news, like, you know, work from home, have the news on in the background, yeah. all I'm hearing is the bad news stuff. It has to be. Yeah. That's what the news is about. That doesn't serve me because it could lead me to panic about what's happening in the world, what's the financial situation, when are we allowed out again? And that can, for me, become really frustrating. Mm. So there are ways to invest in yourself in that. And the other topic, which is really underutilized, is um, self-care. Now, I don't claim to be an expert in this, but I am in one of the groups that I'm in. I have an accountability buddy and I went to a three day um, online retreat around self-care. And it touches so many areas of our lives. It's not just about baths and, you know, candles. It's about um, who we give our time to, our boundaries. So all of that stuff, for me, forms like a full package of investing in ourselves. And not everything will be for everybody. But when you have the ability to carve out the pieces that you need, it can really make your life quite life-changing, you know? I think it's important to scratch beneath the surface when it comes to topics like self-care, because when you look at them as face value, you know, years and I'm going back years now, probably 20 years ago, somebody said to me, self-care, you would very much think of just chucking a bath bomb in a bath, lighting your candle, putting on some music, nothing wrong with that. You know, that Mm. is really good self-care. You know, you're having time out. Mm. But when you delve deeper into the subject, it opens up a whole range of things that you think, oh my gosh, that can really help me. And it's that time that you set aside to develop and learn and put into practice, not just that, but keep it consistent. You know, a lot of people have the mistake of not keeping things consistent enough to make it into a habit because there is the demand for change at the moment with wellness and mental health and everything as we come out of all of this. And I think consistency is key. It's like, you know, if you want to get healthier, going to the gym or going out for a run or making your nutrition better and having a better relationship with food Mm. is you know what it's like you pay your gym membership after Christmas and it's great until March and then you stop but you carry on paying your membership when you're Mm. on a diet you start being amazing and then a few weeks down the line you're in a social setting and you start having a piece of cake and a glass of wine and everything else nothing wrong with that so long as you stay consistent. So yeah. I think getting a good habit and staying consistent is key. 
Thank and you. you know what? I, th- I think what you've just said there is is so true. I've got a client that talks about trauma and things. Yeah. And people often, this is the big small stuff again, yeah. people often um, attribute like trauma to something big happening. Mm-hmm. But if you think about even the last 18 months, for some people, through various different things that have happened on the on the planet, not just the pandemic, um, there's been race issues, there's been gender issues, you know, LGBTQ. Q issues and things that have been brought to the fore which have for some people traumatized them or caused or people have caused trauma in others and we kind of like we're allowed out to play again and people will just continue like business as usual life as usual but they won't address any of this because they don't think that they're worth it and that it literally makes me want to cry when I hear a level of something like that from somebody they don't think they're worth it and I think the self-care piece really taps into that it gives you like you say consistent habits and things to do but it's a continual thing yeah. um, and it it just makes people feel happier in them in themselves in their own skin regardless you know who wouldn't want that you know Exactly. You know, it, it's funny how you've just spoken about that, you know, the, the levels of trauma. People do see trauma as something um, huge mm. and it doesn't have to be, you know, moving house, getting a divorce. You know, it's all it's trauma mm. and it's trauma to the psychology and it's trauma to the body, because, you know, like you said, if we're not dealing with or handling or healing what has triggered off this trauma, you you will continue to lead your life in that trauma you know this is why I get frustrated when people get very stressed people have symptoms physical symptoms as a result of having stress they go to the doctor doctor gives them pills but they're not addressing the actual problem and it's so frustrating and sometimes that person is happy with the pills, but they don't even know that they're suffering from anxiety, stress or or trauma, you know, and I just feel like there could be more done, even more done to normalize these conversations around what's happening to people. And it's okay to say that you need healing, that you need to deal with whatever triggers that you've got inside of you. You know, we we need to start having these conversations with yeah. friends and family and work colleagues. It's so important to, to I, and I think to the to the point you just made there, there are more and more doctors actually that are um, you know, they're embracing the whole holistic part of it, the medical yeah. side and that side. And what I've actually seen, um, which I hope gives people out there hope. During the pandemic, I have worked with a number of businesses who have wanted to look after the welfare of their staff. They've realised that they are under some form of stress. But what they've been attempting to do is to get to the root cause. So um, whether it's mindset and the way they're thinking about things, you know, um, and they might attach that to goal setting. It could be mindfulness. Um, not that it's not something that I necessarily teach but I know clients who do Um, and it's just all of these sorts of holistic ways of looking after people but let me tell you they're smart because those organizations are the ones that are getting more loyalty from their employees Mm -hmm. they get better results the employees are happier whether it's at work or at home or at play Um, and they're getting the most out of people and there's one that I've been watching kind of through LinkedIn and and I've seen like as the um, managing director talks about his own spiritual beliefs and kind of said I'm a bit nervous about saying this because it's not talked about 
He's brought a lot of mindfulness into the organization. They're a financial services company. They've been winning awards left, right and center. People have been gravitating to work towards them. And it's just a really great place to be. And that's just one example of a company. So I think this is a really important conversation um, to be had actually for a lot of um, organisations in different industries. You're right it's been very much pushed to the top of the agenda over the last 12 months for sure because people want to make sure that their employees are safe uh, mm. or have a safe space to operate in and talk about things that what's going on you're so right it, I, I just think it's brilliant but it proves that it's driven from top down when you get a chief exec or top leadership who understand and are motivated towards positive mental health, healing, well-being, all of that, coaching, you will have a much productive and much more happier workforce. It, same with LGBT, you know, same with BAME. Everybody who cares in an industry, it, it shines through. You know, people do gravitate towards businesses who prove themselves in all of these areas. You're so right. In that vein, let me ask you a question. What have you been up to over the last 12 months? Because the world shut last year, as we all know, and you had a lot of face-to-face clients. How did you then move online? How, how did you cope? Well, you know, people will be disappointed to hear that I actually have been working a lot online since nearly since I started my business. I've always had some element of it. So in the start, I would actually coach customers on the phone. Then there was Skype. <laughs> and then I remember when Zoom came out, I didn't like it at first. You know, had to download everything and stuff like that. So I've, I've actually always had a hybrid business of online and offline. In fact, I held my first three-day online event in 2014. Yeah. I am so grateful that my learning curve wasn't steep. I mean, that said, we had a bit of a <laughs> text snafu before, <laughs> which would have made anyone think that I'd never touched the computer before. But um, you know, there were so many, um, there were so many kind of key principles in place. Mm. So in the last 12 months, um, I've seen all sorts of people worry about the kind of concept of pivoting and thinking that it's less than online but actually um and this kind of speaks into some of the internal visibility work that I talk about but it's like what is it that you want to achieve start with the end in mind what experience do you want to give somebody if you um you know are the sort of person that wants to um see clients face to face and make them feel comfortable and welcome you can still do that online you know you emulate that Mm. I think Um, we need to be creative and this kind of speaks to what I was saying before it's really hard to be creative um, when your head is in like the daily briefings um, every single day and you're checking Twitter for any updates a gazillion times a day and you're kind of in the newspapers and I kind of got a stark reminder of that thankfully a few months into um, into the pandemic Uh by the active imagination journaling and the Uh Um, I was asking a question and I'm kind of like which direction to go because at the beginning of the pandemic I did have some clients who were face-to-face clients Mm -hmm. and um, I had actually weighted my business um, by March last year where um, I had 
I would say 90, 80-90% of my clients were face-to-face clients. I'd kind of scaled back and done that because I was about to train and run for the London Marathon as a non-runner. Um, I'd been called up for jury service. So I knew that by doing that, I'd be good to go till July and then have some of the online stuff in the background. And of course, March 2020, I literally lost those clients overnight. And if I'm honest, I just had to mentally prepare myself. Like Nobody knew how this was going to pan out. Um, and I had to mentally prepare myself that I might have to lose my business. Because at that point, what do you do when 90% of your business disappears? And people are telling you that, oh, you know, you can't go outside. You can't touch anyone. It's going to be like this. We don't know how long it's going to be like this for. Maybe a few weeks. Maybe it's going to get worse. You know, there was so much panic around. Um, so in the last 12 months, um, I, I guess I should explain what kind of took me from that place of panic and closing my business down or thinking that to kind of getting back on track. The thing that did it for me, it was like my own kind of expression. I kept saying, I just need to keep my head straight. And by that, it meant not being influenced by um, kind of naysayers, not being influenced by things that might shake my confidence in my ability to keep serving my clients. So I put out a few things out there. I did a few things that I I don't normally do in my business, like one-off sessions. I did some 99 pounds, like one-off sessions with people and they booked them and they loved them. Um, Against anyone's better judgment, I held an online event um, in August, a three-day event, like a workshop that you can go in and you can network and meet people. Everyone got a little gift bag and we had some fun stuff all around visibility, putting ourselves out there, mindset, confidence. And, um, you know, I'm going to say this because I think it's important, especially if you are thinking of starting a business, got a side hustle or are in business. Um, From that event, which had less than 20 people at it, at that event, I put out um, a further offer that people could take me up on and I made over £10,000. Wow. And the reason that I share that is, if you think about it, where could you make that kind of money in such a short space of time, apart from drugs or prostitution, you know? So people would tell you or have you believe it's not possible. Um, And I share that and I share those figures with you. And I know people that made a lot more than that um, Mm -hmm. through this time. I share it with you because if you are looking out there in a world that's telling you you can't do something, it's not possible. Hopefully what I've just said can just show you that you absolutely can. You absolutely can. And I think sometimes when we feel a bit nervous or shy about saying that kind of stuff publicly, we almost um, do a disservice to let people know what is actually possible. Yeah. I did it from home. You know, I didn't kind of hire a fancy hall or fancy equipment. Um, but most importantly, the people that attended got so much from that event and then they were able to create their own ripple effects. For me, job done. You know, that was the most rewarding piece of that. So there were a lot of things that I did in the last 12 months and where possible, you know, I know in the travel industry, the events industry, even the bridal industry, I did work with clients there uh, and like recognising if it was a mindset piece, ways to think about things differently because so many of you out there were really under the cosh 
Um, so I'm not going to kind of put my head in the sand and say, la, 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 everything's beautiful, but there are things we can do to make a change. I heard of travel companies that were, um, were still selling um, products and stuff throughout the pandemic, um, and they were in a kind of smaller percentage. I've heard of um, retail outlets that were kind of blowing it up out there. Um, again, they were, would be in the kind of the five percent of people, um, and I also, um, you know, heard of event companies who were successfully pivoting um, and still able to run their businesses and not close down, which is kind of where I was in in March. So, I think it's about possibility. So, I feel like I, I almost feel a bit like you know survivor syndrome when people are made redundant because so many people had a tough year, and I. I started off thinking I was going to have a really tough year and it actually turned good, uh, but I'm not the only person, you know, there's hope, there's possibility for any of you that are listening to this. I'm proving again that it's all about mindset and creating some innovations and using that board of directors or imaginative writing to help you identify Mm. and establish where you should go next. Good for you, Jenny. That's awesome. Now, listen, I know that none of this happened by accident and I am a firm believer in what's meant for you won't go by you. Who were your early influencers? Where did you get your ambition from? You know, that's such a difficult question to answer because I wasn't the like, you know, you you hear interviews with people and they'll say, when I was five, I wrote down the plans of a business (laughs) in the back of my crayons or something like that. (laughs) That wasn't me. It wasn't that I lacked ambition. I just didn't, I didn't really, I don't think at a young age I knew what I wanted. But Tony Robbins himself says success leaves clues. So when I look back as my kind of, you know, as I rapidly approach my fifth decade, as I look back, there are clues as to who I've become now as I was growing up. Really funny things, Lindsay, like, you know, when I was 12, I sold my packed lunch to somebody at school um, because they wanted to go into town at lunchtime. <laughs> and then the next day they, they said, can I order another one for tomorrow? And my friend's coming with me. Can we order two? And before I, knew it, I had a thriving <laughs> packed lunch business going on until one day my mum looked in the freezer and said, what's happened to all my bread and <laughs> everything in there? So I'm like, yeah, you know, I've started a business at school selling packed lunches. And God <laughs> love my mum. She could have said, what on earth are you doing? And clicked me around the ear. But she just said, you know what? She said, if you want to do it and you're not going to get into trouble, then you do it. But you need to buy your own ingredients. So I was kind of working out about, I didn't realise this at the time. Was I making a profit? You know, was I spending oh. too much? Um and it was kind of like a word of mouth business. And it was my dad who reminded me of that um, a few years ago. He said, you, you've always been a bit of a, a Richard Branson, he said, you know, a bit of an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there are things like that as we look um, back in our life. Um, and one of the things that I think probably answers this in terms of like influence and, and, and stuff like that. I had some really strange influences growing up. You know, my parents were of Caribbean descent. They both came from Barbados and met here. And I grew up and was born in England. Um, but there were things like my mum was quite religious. And although I, I kind of like fell off the, the religion wagon many, many decades ago, there were still things that I, um, that I came across that really fascinated me. Like... Um, I remember going to, I think it was Norwich Football Stadium and seeing a preacher called Billy Graham. 
like, and I remember I was about seven, I was thinking, how does this man come from America and fill this stadium? Like as a seven year old, imagine being in a full football stadium. I've never seen so many people in my life. But what I noticed was as he was doing his sermon, his presentation, as a seven-year-old, I was interested in listening to him. He was quite charismatic. Sure. So I think at that point, I actually became really interested in presentations in mm. general. What was good, what was boring. And it was like all the way through, I put these little things in my back pocket. And at some point of my life, it was like, okay, you're ready. Do, do what you can do with what you know. You know, and to this day, I still help people with presentations, you know, so... So there's all these kind of funny um, characters. And then, of course, there's life happenings as well. So, yeah, all these all these things that happen. I don't know if that really I'm trying to think in terms of actual people to name. Um, I would I would actually say my math teacher, Mrs. Parchment, shout out to Mrs. Parchment, um, (laughs) because halfway through kind of my secondary schooling I was moved from the third set down to the fifth set, the bottom set. And as we kind of, there were a few of us, as we entered the classroom that day, Mrs. Parchment looked us straight in the face and like she looked me straight in the eye and she said, "Um, Jennifer, do not get used to being in this set. You're not going to be here for long. So don't get used to being here. And I think in that moment, what I didn't realise at the time was, I think she really showed me what possibility is, looks like, what opportunity is and looks like. And for a teacher to say that to a pupil um, and, you know, address us all individually and tell us that we could do this and that we're good enough is like unheard of. But the best bit about the story was during the pandemic last year, I was able to actually connect with her and speak to her. And she remembered me. And it was just to be able to kind of chat to her over Instagram of all places. But it was brilliant to be able to have that conversation with her. And I was actually able to say all of these decades later, you made such an impact on my life. That's so good. You're so lucky to have had that. I think in previous podcasts, I've talked about this with a guest where we have to be so careful around the words we choose to use with our young people, you know, because it can mean the difference between what they view as achievable and the possibilities and opportunities that they have in front of them Mm. and bravo she is still around for you to say you know what thank you yeah and she still helps children now with that you know that is so good (laughs) oh that's awesome now I know that there are a few things well there's a lot of things that matter to you in your life um but what really matters to you what do you lean into what do you support what do you believe in oh gosh that's a huge question I'll try and keep it brief um (laughs) so many things like um ultimately it boils down to people Um, for me I'm a you know you can get people that are processes first people next or vice versa I'm definitely people first Mm. um and people matter People matter regardless of hierarchy, regardless of status. I believe that everybody has a voice and everybody has a form of message. Um, To me, that's fundamentally what I believe in, which is why I do this work. And I also recognise that sometimes um, we hit sort of pockets of life where we have um, what I I refer to as my own gift in shiny, um, in, in ugly wrapping, you know, 
you know those things in life that we kind of wish hadn't happened yeah uh, maybe things that have felt it could have felt traumatic upsetting at the time um but actually leave us being better people than we are mm. to me that matters I support a lot of different organizations when I ran um the marathon I supported three different organizations all of which I've been um affected in some way by or a close family member had so um diabetes UK um got a close um, family member who's type 1 diabetic um Alzheimer's I lost my gorgeous uncle um eventually to Alzheimer's you kind of lose them twice you lose the man who he was and then when he finally passes you kind of lose them twice and that's important and the one that I always run for because I think running a marathon can't be as tough as the lived experience of um, many millions of people who lose babies either before birth or stillbirth or or just Mm -hmm. kind of after birth so um, SANS is another charity that's really close to my heart so for my own sort of personal experiences. Would you like to share with our listeners your experience and why you promote and highlight and raise awareness of the SANS because it could help some of our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of, I was saying this to you um, when we spoke before, I feel like I want to add a a warning. If you are pregnant and are worried about staying pregnant and don't want to hear this story, then you might want to skip forward. But I think this is important to share. This to me was definitely my gift in ugly wrapping. So I mentioned that I'd had an IVF journey Mm -hmm. and I mentioned the great advice about the conductor. Well, the good news was I got my conductor sorted and um, I fell pregnant and um, I was I was pregnant with twins. But unfortunately, um, halfway through the twin pregnancy, um, I, I lost the twins and I learned so many lessons, not just from that moment and onwards, but as I look back, it's, it sounds weird to say it's like the gift that keeps on giving, but it's, there's so many things I learned about myself, about humanity and about the work that Sands did. So unfortunately, I didn't realise that I'd gone into labour. There was no reason for me at just under 18 weeks, you know, um, so I went into labour, um, but I didn't know this. I thought, I'm having a miscarriage, you know, um, middle of the night, ambulance is called and I get taken to hospital. And um, about four, four and a half hours after I got into hospital, um, I was in absolute agony. And of course, being pregnant, they can't give you any painkillers apart from paracetamol. So middle of the night, um, you know, patients all over the place and that kind of stuff. Um, and actually, I gave birth to my twins. And so the first thing that I um, that I learned about myself was I have this innate, I don't know where it comes from, this innate ability to think first, panic later. So I'm on a ward now, it's nighttime, patients are poorly and they're asleep and I'm in absolute agony and I'm just thinking, I can't, I can't bear this pain anymore. It's like, you know, um, horrendous in my kind of like, in my mind so I'm thinking I need to get the doctor just to say look are there any paracetamols coming what can I do and in I reckon it couldn't have been more than two minutes that my then husband went to go and get the the doctor back or the sister of the ward um I actually delivered my first twin um I had a boy and a girl you know 
And I remember the feeling of this is probably the worst thing that could ever happen. And at the same time, um, something good has got to come out of this. And I actually said this out loud. It was almost like my lips moved, my voice worked, but I don't know where this came from. You know, obviously a devastating experience for for all involved and anyone who's experienced it. And I'm not talking just about kind of the parents. I'm talking about grandparents, aunts, you know, uncles, all of that kind of stuff, friends. But what was um, a couple of kind of gifts, when I say gifts in ugly wrapping, so there was that. I didn't know what that meant or why I even said that. But it was almost like in that moment, I spoke out something that was important to me in that moment something good has got to come out of this situation. And then the other thing, and I kind of, um, it's kind of like a weird, a weird thing, but four days after I came out of hospital, and by the way, Sands, the part they play in this, if um, Sands can raise enough money and continue to raise enough money, and they've been around for like 30 years, it means that um, they can train midwives on how to deal with um, stillbirths, Um, you know early miscarriages late miscarriages or um, neonatal death which is the death of a baby you know a few months after birth which I mean that must be absolutely devastating so not only do they um, do that training they also do a lot of research now in 2010 when this happened um, there were 17 babies dying per day in the UK and because of the work and the research and the campaigning that SANS do, it's now down to 14. It might even be down to 13. So they've managed to reduce the instances of this happening. It's incredible. Yeah. So then what happened was four days afterwards, I came out of hospital, and it sounds a strange thing to do, but um, after it happened, because I'd only just started telling people that I was having twins and there was a lot of fascination around it, Um, And most people didn't know it was an IVF pregnancy. And lots of people were kind of like interested in it. So I actually changed my status update on Facebook. I just remember thinking, I don't I don't think I can cope with a gazillion people saying, how are you doing? How are you doing? Because that's what I was getting like on a daily basis. So I've gone home. My phone rings and there was a woman that I'd studied NLP with. And this weird thing happened. And I was obviously very upset but my phone rang and I kind of clicked into normal mode, answered the phone. And, um, you know, my friend was basically, she's just crying on the phone. She just went, oh, my gosh, Jenny, I just can't believe it. And she was properly sobbing. So there's a part of me that went into, I, I feel like I need to make her OK, you know. So I just listened and um, she said, oh, my gosh, it's like the worst thing that's happened. And I was like, yeah, I, I know, I know. I was like, it'll be all right, though. And then, like, a few minutes into the conversation, she went, 19 years I've worked for them and I've been made redundant. And I I did that kind of silent laugh. I was like, because I realised, oh, she doesn't know about what's just happened with me. She's been made redundant. Now, why did I kind of laugh at that and why is that a gift? What I realised in that moment is you know this whole big and small thing oh my gosh it must be really bad because Jenny lost a baby but this person lost a job actually what I realized in the in that moment she was so upset I realized in that moment that she felt like the same that I felt and a loss is a loss is a loss 
And I think as part of our own mental health, we need to stop beating ourselves up and saying, but theirs is worse or, you know, mine's not so significant. I think that is a really damaging way for us to think. And I learned in that moment the importance of just holding that space for anybody who's gone through this, you know, Um, anyone who goes through a loss. And, you know, it sounds trite and I don't mean it to, whether it's a fingernail for somebody, a baby, um, a partnership, the the way they thought their life was going to be, a marriage, money, bankruptcy, a business. For many people, there'll be a core set of emotions that will feel a loss and you know, bad enough if anyone else around them is telling them to just get on with it, but bad enough if we're telling ourselves to do that, you know. I think we have to acknowledge um, whatever part of the grieving process we're in for that. That was such a huge insight, such a huge insight. So it it feel I feel like um, it's weird because I tell the story and it's like, oh, my gosh, yeah, that really did happen to me. but I learned so much along the way. And, and you know, ever since then, I've been a massive advocate of SANS, um, you know, SANS charity, because they do so much important work, as do many of the charities, you know. Oh, thank you so much for being so strong and sharing what happened and how you've used that for the greater good as well. I'm sure some of our listeners will be um, shocked, surprised at how you speak, but every loss is personal. We shouldn't compare, we should give space. And yeah. it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter to anybody else. It, it's what happened to you. So thank you so, so much for sharing that. Um, so just to shift gear a little bit, mm-hmm. what's next for you? What's, what's on, what are you working on? Well, at the moment, I'm um, I'm planning a another three day online event um, for September. Mm-hmm. So based around this, the work that I do, visibility, simply called Get Visible. Um, and whilst it's predominantly aimed at people who want to start a service based business or are thinking of starting a business, so like if you're a, co- a coach, consultant, freelancer, mm-hmm. um, service based. I describe service based business as Um, a business that tends to not be bricks and mortar kitchen table includes speakers it includes authors so um, I'm kind of in the uh, final stages of getting my ducks in a row for that and funnily enough every time I've mentioned it people have gone oh I want a ticket so what I've decided to do is every time they've um, they've said that I've let them have like a early 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 birds kind of access to it but it's three days of training um, and yes it's being held online but it's highly interactive highly engaging and designed to get people out there invisible and Having spent many years of um, trying to run sort of three month programs where I'm trying to stuff the whole visibility Mm. uh, activation process in, I've decided that I'm actually going to run a year long program um, and I'm just going to call it the visibility acceleration program. So I'll be able to take people from being comfortable and confident with putting themselves out there, you know, video speaking and that kind of stuff um, to the point of you get a call from the BBC, what on earth do you do to it? Or, you know, you want to speak on the BBC um, and having those sorts of um, opportunities as well to advocate what you believe in and also for some people, their businesses or their services. I think one of the things that is missing in coaching training is the business of running a coaching business. 
How do you promote yourself? How do you sell your services? How do you even price what you do? Who, you know, how do you niche if you want to niche? How do you approach corporates? You know, how do you approach speaking about your business? So I've decided that I'm going to um, put that in a year long program. And I've kind of run some six month programs before on it, but I want to put that into a year. Um, and I'd also, um, I'm planning a retreat. I'd like to do it in 2022. Let's see how that all goes. But I'd like to actually do an, um, an overseas retreat so that people get that kind of the self-care and the visibility stuff um, yeah. for five days. So, so there's a, those are a few of the things that I'm working on at the moment. Um, and what I'm doing is also just taking real good care of my clients. Um, you know, a lot of people I'm listening out to my audience for the sorts of things that they need, hence kind of masterclasses and things like that. So um, I'm a busy bee, um, but, you know, I I enjoy it. I, it, I, it feels very life purpose, this work, um, showing people how to be able to speak up in an authentic way, you know. Gosh, it sounds like you're thriving. You're such a busy lady and we wish you so much success, Jenny. It's incredible the work that you do and the impact that it has on people. You know, it's oh, it's just brilliant. Um, Jenny, I always ask my guests to recommend something that they've loved reading or listening to or have watched that's made an impact. If you if you could share that with our listeners, because I'll put links into these as well. Yeah, so a couple of things that you've mentioned. So imposter syndrome comes up a lot, whether you're a business owner or whether you're an employee. And I will always recommend this book. It's um, it's it's not necessarily a book to read per se. Let me give you some contents. It's called Strengths Finder. Um, and anyone who's heard me speak will know that I've recommended it before. Basically, it's um, a lot of research that's been done by Gallup and, um, you know, of leaders like internationally and there's a test at the back you go in and answer you're very much like this not so much like this and it compiles your top five strengths now why is this good for imposter syndrome I think with something like imposter syndrome you can have people tell you every day that you're great at it but if you're going through imposter syndrome you don't always like you can't get past or through that but when you do a test and you see your top five strengths um you can basically go and live one of those strengths every day mm. you know so positivity's in there um I can only think of mine when I go to give examples but there's um winning others over um flexibility communication things like that and what happens is you take the test and then it gives you like a write-up of each of the the different strengths so you find your strengths you write down your top five strengths you get a report as well online um but it's it shows you what it looks like and how you can kind of self-coach on that so I really love that um and it's like whenever I do get calls from the BBC it tends to be even though I'm a visibility specialist it's always around careers and stuff like that so that's that's one that um I highly recommend I've talked about think and grow rich and I really like that um in terms of thinking about things differently talks about um all sorts of different things the mastermind and all of that um so I really like those um in terms of things to watch and listen to oh my gosh um I I love people's lives but I think um 
a slant of my work, a very small piece of that visibility system is about having difficult conversations. And as we've mentioned, there's so many different subjects um, that we can advocate or be allies on. And too many people, I think, in the last 18 months have had the kind of reason, which is really an excuse of, I don't really understand it. It's not my place to say anything. And even underlying that, it doesn't happen to me so I can kind of turn a blind eye or it doesn't happen to me so I don't believe it happens. So I think anything that's uh, around BAME, around LGBTQ, um, you know, anything around that, that I would say start with what might make you feel uncomfortable. That's a really good way um, to to kind of navigate that. Um, There's lots of great stuff on Netflix um, that you can watch around that. um, Lots of great stuff. So I would say um, any kind of like podcasts or any, um, you know, Netflix that are are great with that. Um, Superb. Thank you for those. I'll make sure that we put those links as well onto the summary and onto the link um the links on Instagram as well for sure. Jenny, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We appreciate you and opening up the vulnerable parts of you and being able to give us your top tips and support techniques as well to our lovely listeners. Um, And of course, thank you to you, our lovely listeners, for tuning in. And until next time, be kind to yourself and those around you. Ta-ta.